Thank you so much. Can we give it one more time for the worship team? I thought that was really good this morning. Thank you, guys. Yes, so my name's Carson. I'm an American, so I hope my accent isn't too hard to understand. Um, So great to see a lot of new faces, a lot of people that I've known for a long time now. Um, And yeah, the title for this morning, and I'd love if you guys have your phone or something to take notes with, I'd love for you, whatever it takes, a pen, pencil, lipstick, whatever you need. I think writing something down is going to be really helpful because I think God has a lot of stuff to say this morning. Um, But the title for this, I think it's up there, maybe not, maybe... Yeah, so it's not a title. Yes, it is a title. Insert title here. Um, I thought it'd be funny because in America we always throw up funny, like really funny titles. It's all going to be about titles and the titles that we gain as becoming a Christian. Um, And I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a roadmap so that way as you sit here and you're like, is this guy ever going to finish? You'll know kind of what we're heading into. So we're going to read a passage. We're going to read Romans 8, 12 through 17. I have a few points, three points that we're going to go through, uh, sharing some insight and some stories along the way. And then I'm going to end with one last story, um, then we'll do some prayer. So that's going to be kind of the roadmap. But I'd love to just start by reading this passage, because I think that's really important to really get the full context of what we're going to be saying. So again, if you have your Bible, it's going to be up on the screen, but I think there's something to be said about reading it for yourself. So Romans 8, 12 through 17. There it is. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. So, I love that passage. Um, God was really speaking a lot through this passage. And I think the first thing that I want to pull out, and again, this is all about titles that we get. The first title that I want to look at, it's in the very first verse, is we're a debtor. So, um, and to fully understand what that means, why we are in debt, I think we need to look back at the beginning of the story and really our story. So in the beginning, God created everything and he created us. And he loved us so much that he created everything for us on this earth. Um, however, we betrayed that trust. We betrayed that love that he, he created us into. And in the moment that sin entered the world, we became slaves and debtors to sin. See, the problem is, as we become sin and debtors to sin, we were severed from God because God can't be in the presence of sin. So we were therefore severed from the author of life. See, it says, it says in this passage, for you, if you live according to flesh, you will die. There's no way around it. There's no, there's no way to trick it. There's no way to try to prolong it. Eventually, death is to come to those who live in the flesh. And that's because of what happened a long time ago, whenever things first started. Um, and so we began instead to worship ourselves and become captives to flesh. See, we were created, our nature is to worship. See, God created us because he created us specifically to worship him. So it's in our nature to want to worship something. Well, when that, that connection was broken, when the relationship fell apart, we looked around, and the first thing we saw was ourselves. So we decided, okay, well, we'll just worship that instead. And see, the problem is, we, we, we really start to see that things start to break down when we worship ourselves, but 
we can't do that ourselves. We can't get rid of these chains, the bonds that hold us to sin by ourselves. There's no way that we can break that apart. Um, and so the whole story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is God trying to restore the relationship between himself and us. That's really the, the whole story wrapped up in this huge Bible. That's what it's all about, is God trying to restore that relationship. And thankfully, if we look back about 2,000 years ago, we just celebrated Easter, we see that that does happen. I don't have time to go through the whole story, but we know that Jesus came and lives and died on a cross and thankfully was risen again for us. And, the, and by doing that, those bonds were broken. And all, that, all we have to do is believe, and we're able to break those bonds. See, it says in John 3.16, Whoever shall believe in him, that him being Jesus, shall not perish, but have eternal life. And see, the problem with that is, this life that we've been given was very costly. It cost Jesus everything. And so, for that, we're debtors, you know. If we truly believe, if we, if we truly want to step into this life that Jesus is offering us, we are debtors because there's nothing that we can do to repay that. We can offer our lives, we can offer everything, but we are debtors. But thankfully, we're no longer debtors to this sin and this death. We're, we're debtors to the author of life, and he gives us that eternal life. And, you know, I don't know about you, but to me, to go from a slave to sin to a debtor of Christ, that would have been enough for me. You know, I mean... That, that's passing over from eternal death to eternal life. I mean, th- that's, that's plenty. But thankfully, you know, since I have two more points, that's not the end. That's not the end of where the story is because it talks about several times in this passage that we're given something else. We're given the Spirit of God. It says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. So because of that Spirit, we gain another title. And that, that title is a child. We are children of God. Now, not only are we these debtors to God, but we are now considered sons and daughters as well. This kind of reminds me of the story of the prodigal, the prodigal son. Um, for those of you who don't know the story, um, to wrap it up really quick, um, this son comes to his father and says, Dad, I don't really respect you. I don't really think that you're doing the right thing. I'm going to take all the inheritance, leave, and he basically squandered all the money that his da- dad had set aside for him. He lived a pretty worldly life and spent his money on a lot of alcohol and women and a lot of crazy things. And he found himself eating out of a trough where the pigs would eat out of. He found himself in the worst possible situation. And so he crawled back to his father. He went and walked all the way back to his father. And he said, Dad, I know that, I know that I've messed up. And I, I know that there's nothing I can do to restore this relationship. But I, I I hope that I can even just be a servant in your house because I know how well you treat people. But instead of simply allowing him to be a servant, his dad gave him a huge hug and said, no, you're my son. You're my son. It doesn't matter what you do. And I know it's the same for me. You know, if I were to go to my dad, no matter what I do, no matter what happens, I know that my dad will always be there and always be willing to accept me back because I'm his son. And that's how God feels about us when we step into this relationship. There's nothing that can separate us from him because we are his children. And it talks about, in verse 15, it talks about the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. Um, I think that sometimes, you know, that word adoption, it's like, oh, well, so are we like secondhand kids of God? Like, you have Jesus, but are we secondhand? It's like, no, no. If we really look at the context of this, that this was written in, in Roman times, adoption was a really big deal. 
See, adoption meant that you were specifically chosen. You were chosen to carry on the legacy. You were chosen to carry on the name of the Father. See, adopted sons were no less important than sons that were born in natural ways. And, it, and also, another amazing thing about adoption back in these, the times that this was being written is that whenever we were, you're adopted into a new family, it changed your identity. All of your old life was wiped out. Any debts you had, any crimes that you had committed, anything, it was all wiped away, and you became a completely new person with a new identity in this family. You know? And that's something that we have the ability and the access to. And I know Paul, who was writing this, was really thankful for that. Because if we look at Paul's story before he became a Christian, he did a lot of persecuting and killed a lot of Christians. But thankfully, that's all wiped out. It's all wiped out because of the death of Jesus. See, no matter what you've done, you know, whether it's drugs or sex or alcohol or lying or pride or unfaithfulness or anything, you know, we've all done stuff. Everybody. There's, there's not a person who is clean. It talks about that in the Bible so many times. You know, nobody here is clean, but thankfully we don't have to be because when we step into that relationship, it's all wiped away. So don't feel like, you know, this message, this, this, this thing that you're hearing about is not for you because it is. It doesn't matter there's no way to d- disqualify yourself from this. It's all about the belief. So when we believe in Jesus, it's all wiped away. We become his children. And as children, we are led by the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And how does the Spirit lead us? Well, I think the Spirit leads us in a few ways. He lead us, leads us through guidance. He points us in the direction that, he, uh, that God wants us to go by outward signs. Um, there's also a drawing um, that's exactly how it was for me when I was coming over here. There was a drawing on my life, somewhere, something inward that I couldn't quite explain, but I knew that I was supposed to come over here. So there's outward signs and guidance. There's inward signs. There is, we are, uh, he leads us with governing authority. You know? It's not some magical force that, oh, I guess you'll go this way and hopefully things will work out. No, the Spirit knows the will of God. He knows the plans, and he's leading us into that, and he has the authority And the last thing is, he leads as we cooperate. Um, I want to read a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I take no credit for this. It's way too great for something that I could have written. So um, it says, it does not say, as many are driven by the Spirit of God. No, the devil is a driver. And when he enters man or into hog, he drives them furiously. Remember when the whole herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Whenever you see a man fanatical and wild, whatever spirit is in him, it is not the spirit of Christ. See, sometimes when we, we hear this being led by the spirit, it, it can be scary. You know, we, don't, we don't fully understand what that means, and we think some sort of supernatural running around and you know, yelling, and, and that's not how it is. We cooperate with the spirit. We're not being driven by the spirit. You know? And there may be, while there may be pulls on our life, it's never a... You have to do this, and you, 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 there's no way to escape it. He gives us a choice to walk with him, which I think is just so beautiful. Um, and where does he lead us? So if he leads us, and we know how he leads us by all these ways, wh- where does that lead us? And a lot of us have different paths. I mean, my path looks very different than Keith's path or Taylor's path or Elijah's path or anybody's path. It's very different, but I think there's some commonalities between the way that the Spirit leads us and where he does. 
Um, he leads us into repentance, which means he turns us away from sin so that we can walk towards Jesus. He leads us into humility, um, so that way we think little of ourselves and much of Jesus. And this is not, this is not self-degradation. This is not thinking little of yourself, because like I said, we gain the title of, a, of sons and daughters of God. We, we are not to be made little of, but it's that we are in so much awe of Jesus that we start to think about ourselves less, and we start to see the needs of others, and we, we forget about the needs that we have because we know God's going to take care of us. So don't ever feel like, oh, I need to beat myself down. I need to think lowly of myself. I'm terrible. All these bad things I've done. Again, we are sons and daughters of God. Don't ever feel like you need to put yourself down. But he does lead us into humility so that we can think of Jesus so highly. He leads us into love, and he leads us into holiness Holiness, um, this process of leading us into holiness is something called sanctification. You know, he, he is always sanctifying us. This is a process, you know. This isn't, this isn't I, I say a prayer and I wake up and I have a halo around my head and I'm glowing. You know, that's, that's not how the Christian walk works. It's a process of transforming us into holiness. And he, he leads us into usefulness as well. See, God wants to use all of us. You know, by his spirit, he wants to lead us into amazing things, whether it's up on a stage, whether it's speaking into a microphone, whether it's back in the tech booth, whatever it is, he wants to use us. He wants to send us out into different places and use us to share who he is. You know, we're not simply called to sit and go. We're, so, we're called, or we're not simply called to sit, we're called to go. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have time to, that's a whole nother message, um, which we've been talking about some before. Um, but yeah, that's, we're called to be useful for God, and the Spirit leads us into that. Um, and that leads us kind of to this last verse in this passage, and it's, it's verse 17. And I just want to read it one more time because I want us to fully get the weight of it. Um, it says, and if children, so if we are truly children of God, then heirs as well, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, not only are we debtors, not only are we in immense debt that there's no way that we can pay off because God is so amazingly great for what he's done, and not only are we children that he always loves and that will always take us back, but we are also co-heirs with Christ. You know, and if that's not the best news you've heard, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. We are co-heirs with Christ. We inherit the kingdom of God and all the blessings that come with it. You know, that there's so much hope and love that is a part of his kingdom, and we get access fully to it. You know, and there's no other way to access this inheritance besides being in his family. There's no amount of doing that can get this inheritance, just like any other inheritance. You have to be a part of the family to gain this inheritance. However, this verse tells us to be wary as suffering will come. See, Jesus suffered much during his time. And as co-heirs with him, we inherit that suffering as well, you know. If anybody ever tells you, oh, yeah, whenever I became a Christian, you know, everything was great and I just got all this money and I bought this huge house and everything worked out and all my problems were solved, I, I'd love to meet them and understand how that happened because that's not the Christian life that I've experienced, you know. The Christian life I experienced is hard times and suffering, but the, the difference is, the difference is that with the inheritance that we're given, we have hope through the hard times. 
We have hope through the trials that are to come, and believe me, they are going to come. Sickness will come. Financial issues will come. Relational breakdowns will come. Pain will come. Hurt will come. And death will come around us. But the inheritance that we have gives us hope through all of it. And that's because we know that when it comes to our lives, you know, we have hope in an eternal life in heaven. You know, so even if this life just beats us down consistently, we have hope and we know that this tiny blip on eternity, this tiny blip on the timeline of eternity, yeah, that may be hard, but we have eternity left to spend with Jesus in heaven and to be glorified with him. I want to wrap up by just telling you one more story. Um, it's a story out of the Bible, and it comes from 2 Samuel. Um, and we're going to look at a man called Mephibosheth. Try saying that five times fast. I made sure to look it up. That is how you pronounce it, Mephibosheth. Um, and I'm going to be saying it a lot. So, um, see, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul. Saul was also known as the first true king of Israel. Um, the problem with Mephibosheth is his grandfather was no longer king. There had been an uprising. There had been a complete shift in the way that Israel was governed. And there was a new king on the throne. And this would be King David. We read a lot about him. Um, and the problem is, for Mephibosheth, the custom in that time was to kill all the descendants of the past thrones that nobody, nobody had a claim to the throne. So Mephibosheth was running in high, well, I say running. The, problem with, the other problem with Mephibosheth is he was lame in both of his feet. He was unable to walk, and he was destined to die now. So Mephibosheth was hiding, and every day he knew that there was this chance that David was going to find him, and it would be the end. But eventually, that day did come. David sent one of his servants to go and collect Mephibosheth, and told him to come and meet with him. And in, I know in Mephibosheth's mind, he must have known, okay, this is it. I've, I've prepared for this day. I, I know that things are over. And so instantly, Mephibosheth, when he, he came into the presence of David, he fell at his feet and said, behold, I am your servant. He knew that this was the end. However, David told him the strangest thing. He said, do not fear, for I will show you kindness. And I know if I was in Mephibosheth's position, I'd be like, okay, what, what kind of joke are you playing? I, I, I know what's going to happen. I know, I know what's going to happen. Like, just, just get it over with. I don't want you to play these games with me. But see, David goes on to explain that he had made a promise to his father, Jonathan, and that he would take care of all of his descendants. And that continued on with Mephibosheth. So David continued and said, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall, uh, you shall eat at my table. So Mephibosheth, this, this guy with lame feet and a man destined to die, instead of being put to death, as was custom, nobody would have batted an eye. It would have made perfect sense for David to have killed one of the people who has a claim to his throne. Mephibosheth instead gained a kingly inheritance and was allowed to join the king's family at the table every day. See, guys, we are Mephibosheth. That, that's us. That, we aren't David. We aren't any other part of this story. We are Mephibosheth. We are lame in both of our feet. We can't run from this fate. We, we are destined to fall into death. But we have an invitation. We have an invitation in front of us. 
See, we have an invitation of God extending his hand and saying, I want you to be in my family, and I want to give you this inheritance. And all we have to do is accept and believe that Jesus really did die for us. So we're about to take some time to pray, and I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, but I really want us to examine where we're at, you know, because that invitation of it is available to all. You know, and maybe, I know a lot of us out there, we, we know that we're debtors. We know that we're children of God, and we know that we're heirs with God. But sometimes we don't always live that out, you know. You know, we have access to that hope and the Spirit of God every day, but maybe we just tend to go through the motions and, you know, things can get a little monotonous. You know, I want to pray for this guidance and understanding of the Spirit so that, you know, as we go back out, we can be, we can be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And maybe there are some people out there that, you know, as we really search our heart, you know, and you think about it, um, we look for the Spirit, and we can't really find it inside of ourselves. You know, and this, this sign that we know that God's there, we, we, we can't really, we can't find it. Because, you know, no matter how much we, we go to church, and no matter how many good things we do, and no matter how much we read our Bible and all this thing, nothing seems to be filling me with that. You know, that Spirit is, is not there. Well, I would love to lead you in a prayer um, to meet this King Jesus. You know, I would love to, to help you earn that inheritance that God has extended to us. Um, but all you have to do is simply pray. And it's not some special prayer. It's not some special words that I'm going to say. You know, there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to change it. It's really about where your heart's at. It's really about the posture of your heart. And so if we can all bow our heads, I'm just going to pray for us really quick. Um, God, I thank you so much for um, who you are. God, I thank you for all the things that you've done for us, God, for sending your son to die, and God, making us not only debtors, God, people who are there for you, but God, we're also children, and God, we're also co-heirs with you. And God, for people out there that know, that know this, but maybe have a hard time living it out, God, I pray that, that your spirit would just overflow God, inside their lives, God, that, that you, would, you would give them joy, you would give them boldness, and you would give them understanding in things that may seem really difficult right now. Because this Christian life is going to be a hard one, God. So I pray that you know, as, we, as we suffer through and we look to you, God, I pray for those people that you, know, you help guide them and give them understanding on why these situations are happening, what's going on. And God, for the other group of people in the room, God, for the people who, when they really look inside themselves, um, God, they, they look and they, they, don't really, they don't really see your spirit, God. They may, have, they may have been coming for a long time. This may be their first time here, God. But whatever position that they're in, God, they, God we, we look inside ourselves and we don't see that spirit. We don't have the, the connection with you that we know comes with believing, so, God, I just pray. Um, I pray for them, and I pray that if they want a relationship, God, that they would just repeat the words that I'm going to say in their hearts, God, and that um, you would know and help start transforming them from the inside out. You know, and that, that prayer goes something kind of like this. It says, um, 
Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you lived for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior. God, I pray that if anybody made that decision today, if anybody passed over from death to life, if anybody became a child of God, that kind of they wouldn't they wouldn't be anxious or shy about it, God, that you would give them boldness to to come and talk to somebody about it, whether it's me or Elijah or Joe or anybody in this church, God, I know that the family of God wants to celebrate if there's a new adopted child. And so, God, I pray that if anybody is in that position, that, God, just give them boldness to to share, give them boldness to talk about it. Um, So, yeah, God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to, to stand up here and give the words that you wanted me to speak, God. I pray that as we go out from this place that our lives would look differently, and God, we would just be living all out for you, remembering every day that we are co-heirs with you, Jesus. So I just pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Um, I think if we want to stand, we have a few more songs. Um, but thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. And again, if, if you did make that decision or you, you feel this stirring inside of you, come talk to somebody. I know that there are people in here that want to help encourage you, even if you feel like there's something inside that drawing that I talked about towards a ministry that's at the church or somewhere else. Talk to somebody because we want to help you. We want to encourage you and we want to be there for you. So, yeah, if we all just want to stand, we want to worship uh, and just cry out to God one last time.